I'm the king of the castle. You're the dirty rascal. This is Killstreak, episode 49. I'm Eric Goslin, a.k.a. Dick Gooley. Gooling out again. It's a Sunday night here with my best friend. <laughs> what have you found on this? This is how I announce you're my best friend in the world. My best friend in the world, Michael Price. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm all right. I've got your ball and your chain, my friend. Um, <laughs> I know I know a couple people whose feelings are hurt right now, but that's yeah. okay. Um, no. You've usurped them. Tonight, uh, we were singing Dave Matthews Band to each other, <laughs> which is not, not a lie. We were literally nope. singing Crash before we came <laughs> Just serenading each other. It was a it was a beautiful moment in time. Listen, it's been a long pandemic, okay? Yeah. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but anyways, yeah, we are here. What episode is it? Do you remember? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, this is forty nine, oh. I believe. Unless I nice. uh, unless I'm wrong, I believe it's forty nine. Uh, episode episode 50, seven next. Seven squared. Seven squared, everybody. Um. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> Math major over here. Um, I was going to say, episode 52, typically that's like, oh, we've done a year. But no, we yeah. haven't. We've done less than a year because we pumped out a lot of it, a lot of episodes early on. Yeah, pumping oh. like a boy's dream. Um, <laughs> In a boy's dream. <laughs> It's going to be, I don't want to let that go. I would like that to go for the whole episode if possible. Yeah. Okay. Um, right, I'll, I'll look up some, some more lyrics. So just, so they're fresh. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. You, you do that. <laughs> so before, before we started recording, uh, Price and I were part of a, a group that sometimes watches televised wrestling. And, uh, tonight oh, was the just Royal Rumble. Sell me, selling me down the river here. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hold on, I am looking up "Crash" by Dave Matthews lyrics. That's okay. okay. Yeah, people don't know, people don't need to know this about me. I mean, I feel like I need to qualify this by saying I'm not really a wrestling fan. No, price <laughs> price isn't. But we do bet on the uh, Royal Rumble every year. That's true. And there's the women's mm-hmm. Royal Rumble. There's a men's Royal Rumble. It's twenty dollars for each of the rumbles. You get um, like five numbers, or yeah, I think it's five, four or five numbers. Depends on how many of us participate. Yeah. But yeah. And f- price a few chances. Won- Mm-hmm. You won both of them I, tonight. I did. Which, I wasn't even there for the first one, which makes it feel like dirty money. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, and I accidentally sent you a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to send him twenty dollars, and I was like zoning out as it happened, and I yeah. sent you a hundred dollars. <laughs> and I found a way to keep it all. I didn't. Send That's true. You did. You did. <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, what can I say? I like money. Um, I need it. Send us money. Um, we should we should start a Patreon. Should we just skip the whole part of a podcast where you build a fan base? Yeah, yeah. Let's and, just uh, just the money. We just want the money. Um, just, uh, we have like a big a, episode today. What are you going to do? Some lyrics? You want to? <laughs> I will be your Dixie. Wanna... <laughs> I'll be your Dixie chicken if you'll be my Tennessee lamb. We can walk together oh, down in Dixie Land. Wow. Oh, boy. Man. Um, <laughs> That's what I was going to say. We have a really big episode today, but but before we get to today's movie, we have a whole bunch of business to address. Yeah, we do. At the top of the podcast. We have not one, not two, but three pieces 
of listener uh, feedback. We have two voicemails, and we also have an email that I am going to paraphrase because I think it would take roughly six minutes for me to read it all. Um, <laughs> wow! But I don't want to encourage—I don't want to discourage our fans from sending us long emails uh, because there's a lot of great stuff in here. I get just get to cherry pick the best parts. Um, but why don't we start there? Yeah, let's uh, do it. So. Yeah, our, our email this week is uh, kind of a follow-up to our voicemail from our friend Dan. Uh, it is an email from our friend Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will, uh, I'll first read the, uh, the sort of, the intro. It says, this is very long-winded and probably boring. Feel free to edit as you please. And use as much or as little, as little of it as you like. I will do that, Dan, but not before I sell you out by letting everybody know how long it was to begin with. Um, <laughs> so, uh, oh, let's see off the top, dear Dick Gooley and intersectional Santa for all seasons. I think that's going to have to be <laughs> like my that. new nickname. Uh, this is Transylvania Dan checking in again to make a minor correction regarding something you both said during the Bram Stoker's Dracula episode. It is commendable that you conscientiously avoided using the G word to describe Dracula's servants, but in doing so, you made a different, very common and understandable mistake describing them as people of Romanian descent. Mm. A lot of people make this mistake, but Romanian and Roma, or Romani, are completely different and unrelated ethnic groups. It is an easy mistake to make, not only because of the extremely similar ethnonyms, but also because Romania happens to have one of the highest populations of Roma people Mm. in all of Europe. Um, Roma are descendants of traditionally nomadic people, likely originating somewhere in South Asia, while Romanians are the descendants of local tribes around the Black Sea and Carpathian Mountains, possibly the Dacians, although this is unclear, and Roman colonists, hence the name Romanian and the Latin-derived Romance language that they speak. Mm. Um, So that was some extra info Dan sent us. That was the first third of the email. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I thought that was very interesting, very informative, and good to know. So... um, the Roma Romani people, not Romanian, two different ethnic groups. Thank you for the correction. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, correction number two, uh, a second, much more trivial correction. There is a second group of people that I, Price, erroneously labeled as Romanian, and that is Dan and his family. Um, huh. So, he gives uh, a very uh, interesting, very detailed primer here, which I'm going to just hit the big parts of. He gives a little history of Transylvania while adding the disclaimer he is no expert, but essentially explaining that the original rule by ethnic Hungarians and kings and princes uh, lasted into the 11th century. Then there was it became an Ottoman state. Then it was under Habsburg rule. Dan, in case you guys didn't know, is a bit of a history and geography buff. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Habsburg rule until World War One. Uh, final half of uh, that century. Then it was Kingdom of Hungary, Austria, Hungary. After World War One, Transylvania was incorporated into Romania. Uh, and now is the large north central region of Romania. Um, so basically, all of this background, and 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 Dan says, so where do my ancestors fit into this? Well, so the big um, revelation here is that uh, Dan's mother's family, which is those who hail from Transylvania, belong to an obscure group of Middle Eastern origin known as the Jews. 
Hmm. And then Dan says, I kid, I kid. Uh, But anyways, so his family, uh, their history is they lived in Transylvania under Hungarian rule. They spoke German at home and Hungarian in school. Um, but they never spoke Romanian or lived under Romanian rule, so they have always described themselves simply as Hungarian Jews, Hungarians, or Transylvanians. So, uh, a lot of very interesting stuff in here. He also managed to include some trivia about Louis C.K. that I decided to excise. <laughs> um, uh, I, he, he was the first to admit that it was an unfortunate piece, piece of trivia. Um and uh, two more fun facts for people who are really into the Dracula trivia. Bonus Transylvania fun fact number one, Vlad the Impaler was indeed ethnically Romanian, but was Wallachian rather than Transylvanian. And the tourist spot in Romania known as Dracula's Castle sits directly on the border between Transylvania and Wallachia and is, was never Vlad's castle, but just a cool looking castle that maybe he was in at one point. Wow. Um, and then fun Transylvania fact number two. The name Transylvania obviously perhaps derives from Latin for through the forest. So Vania being forest, which is fun. Castlevania, I, I imagine that's something like castle in the forest. Um, so referred to as Transylvania, but at times was also known by the Romans as the land beyond the forest, which translates to Ultra Sylvania. Whoa. Which is a cool name. Yeah. So the only thing cooler than Transylvania, perhaps Ultra Sylvania. So cool. uh, that was that was a, a big info dump from Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Um, I hope I retain some of that info. Uh, no guarantees there, but I will I will not conflate, uh, you know, Romani and uh, people from Romania. All that again. That is, I I took the note. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> Get your shit together, Jocelyn. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next up, we got a couple of emails. So, or sorry, not emails, voicemails. Um, so let's listen to voicemail number one. This is from an old friend of the pod we haven't heard from in a while. Um, let's fire it up here. Hey guys, Josh Stewart here. I just wanted to call in at the end of the Drac off to comment on one of my favorite Dracula adaptations as well, Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, and just how it's something we don't really discuss anymore, but the way it was marketed when it came out, it was treated the same way that they treated uh, like Batman 1989 and um, and like the Adams Family, where it had several different video games across multiple platforms. It had a legendary pinball table. You know, Mel Brooks made a whole movie spoofing it, which I understand that Dracula Dead and Loving It is not well loved, but it has some pretty good moments. I think Peter McNichols' Renfield is hysterical. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was a dark, slow-paced, R-rated, super violent uh, gothic romance uh, filled with sacrilege and they marketed it like a, a like a blockbuster i kind of love that uh, anyway guys love the show as always keep up the great work eric i'm glad you're feeling better man thanks josh i appreciate it uh and so i i'd forgotten that there was like a pinball machine and all that you're right and there was like a there's a sega genesis game i believe too yeah Probably Super it, Nintendo was, it was as well yeah it was that era cross-platform yeah great a great uh, time capsule memory from Josh. They're right. Uh, because it's something that slipped out of my mind, too. Because watching it now, it feels like a very specific kind of movie. But now that I, re- I, I mean, at that age, I was aware of the marketing. And yeah, it was like a huge blockbuster. 
and I feel like drink cups at McDonald's and shit, yeah. shit like that. It was like that level of movie, which is yeah, pretty for this funny. like operatic, over the top, like romantic movie. It's it's, <laughs> it's super fun. You don't see that a lot yeah. anymore. I mean, you don't see a lot of like super aggressive cross promo- cross promotion unless it's like Marvel movies or like Minions or something. But like right. just to have like you know like. Bram Stoker's Dracula BK cups or so you know like like Burger King <laughs> glasses or something like it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's kind of it's that's fun a bygone era yeah. Taco Bell used to have some great hologram cups back in the day oh uh, wow you know we didn't have a yeah, Taco they, Bell till much till much later in my town oof well that's tough for you for a number of reasons cups yeah. being the least of them <laughs> uh but anyways uh thank you Josh good to hear from you yeah I appreciate uh, it keep yeah, keep on listening. And then uh, we have one more voicemail uh, from uh, an old friend of mine. Um, so let's give it a listen here. Hey, Killstreak Pod. This is Jonathan. Listener since the first episode, but first time voicemailer. Just finished rewatching Bram Stoker's Dracula and listening to the episode, which was great. Uh, And I always thought one of the cooler things about the movie was how the creatures Dracula transformed into still managed to look a whole hell of a lot like Gary Oldman. Which made me think, what are some of the best characters transformed into monsters in horror who managed to look great, but also really look like the person who actually changed, not just a cool monster with no real resemblance? Uh, I think... Frank and Hellraiser might be a pick of mine, but I'd like to hear what you guys have to say. So thank you, and keep doing what you do. All right. Thank you, Jonathan, one of my oldest friends, someone I've known for nigh on 25 years. Awesome. Um, Yeah, really great great question. question. I listened to this one previous because you gave me a heads up that this would be a thinker. It's a hard question. Um, Mm -hmm. Because... uh, for, for one, he pointed out something that I didn't like. I kind of like uh, knew, but didn't think about, which is that all the mm-hmm. monsters do look like Gary Oldman. It's like it's definitely yeah. like Gary Oldman performing as these monsters, um, right? Yeah, and then yeah. So I struggled a little bit trying to find other examples. I got a few. I did come up with a few, but I feel like some okay. of them might be a little bit cheating. But let, let's see if you have one right. that you want to start off with. Well, I have two. Do you, how many do you have? Uh, I, have I have two uh, in the ba- in I have the like pocket here. three, a uh, four. All right, one I fire, just added. Fire just one now. of your shitty ones. Yeah, fire okay, one of your I'll, shitty I'll, ones. A shitty first. one because uh, some because Dracula dead and loving it was just uh-huh. mentioned. Which we okay. should say, if I hadn't have gotten sick, um, yeah. we probably would have done a live commentary episode for Dracula. We were dead talking and about it. it. Yeah, a bummer yeah. we didn't, but it was just. <laughs> When we would have recorded it was like in the first week or so of me being sick. So that yeah, was yeah. probably not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but hopefully we can get around to it at some point. So I was thinking Peter Boyle from Young Frankenstein. <laughs> is, <laughs> and that's my shitty one because I was thinking of Dracula Dead. Sure. It made me think of Mel Brooks. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, and like kind of any Frankenstein, even like Robert De Niro as Frankenstein. Uh, yeah, it still looks is, like De Niro. Like, he still yeah. looks like De Niro. Um, sure. So yeah, that's that's my that's one of my shitty ones. But why don't you go? Ahead? Yeah, I see. I see what you mean. Because to me, the problem isn't it, like it fulfills the requirements of looking like the actor. The question is, is it good makeup? Or yeah, not, yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Well, my first, and I don't know if this totally qualifies because I now I'm not sure if Jonathan wanted us to specify a transformation mm-hmm. or or not. So uh, one of mine fits that bill, and the other one doesn't. The one that doesn't, uh, we only see this actor in character, and it's simple, but it's effective. I think it's scary. It stayed with me my whole life, and while looking like a terrifying creature, I think it still looks a lot like. Uh, the actor underneath, and that is Tim Curry as Pennywise in the original oh, It miniseries. That's a good yeah. call. Yeah, that's a really good call. Yeah, Tim, Tim Curry, Curry legend uh, too is like fucking incredible looking. Yeah, he looks amazing. My only argument would be like, I don't know how much it looks like Tim Curry. It just yeah, kind yeah, of looks yeah, like sure. the fucking devil. Uh, I mean, he is no stranger to awesome makeup, but I think that, yeah, every time. Uh, you know, I didn't hate it. Chapter one and uh, whichever fucking Skarsgård is under the makeup there is fine. But it's like, I don't know what he looks like, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, the original Pennywise makeup, though, is scary as shit, but it is undeniably also the face of, of Tim Curry. So that That's was my call. first my first. One. Um, so yeah. I'll, let me just fire off a couple of quickies that I think. Like, OK, so it's hard for me not to just think of my favorite movies. Uh, and sure. so I, I thought of Steven from Dawn of the Dead when he turns into a zombie. Uh, okay. And Roger, too. But Steven has this like amazing walk that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like a really great zombie performance. Um, and it's still, I mean, it's just like him with blue makeup on. So that's like a little bit not really. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. And, and then the other one I thought of was along the same lines. And it's David, the friend from American Werewolf in London. Oh, sure. That's good makeup. Yeah. Progressively getting like more and more decayed and grotesque. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But the thing is, I don't know if it really fits the bill of the question because it still just looks like him only like decomposing, but he looks fucking incredible. Right. Right. Yeah. It's this question of like whether or not it's a person transformed into a creature or they just look worse for wear. Right. Yeah. Um, My other pick uh, is, I think, one of the great practical effects movies i mean it has a lot of cg too but practical horror effects the last 20 years uh my second selection is michael rooker in slither oh Um, yeah sure and specifically at you know his progression and then at the end of the movie as the grant monster uh which takes a lot of cues from society and from beyond i think in terms of its creature design and just sheer amount of goo um but uh yeah like it is a great effect and it's and part of the way it's done um is sort of reminiscent of of i i also think some of the rob botine's work in the thing where it's kind of like you anchor half of the actor's face so you still get that human element but then like the other half is just entirely prosthetic madness you know yeah that Um, the thing crossed my mind the specifically the guy whose head comes off and turns into the spider but that's like yeah. it's also not like that's not the actor doing that. That's just a replica of his head. Right. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's and I think the Grant Monster was a great pick for me because uh, <laughs> probably so the myself. most. Yeah, I think I I, <laughs> I nailed this. Um, arguably the most dramatic scene, uh, the the most acting Michael Rooker ends up having to do in the entire movie yeah. is in that uh, makeup where he is totally nonverbal. And really only just using his eyes and then a lot of gross, um, you know, 
squelching and that sort of stuff to really get the point across. Yeah, uh, that's a great pick. Great pick. I love that thank movie you. too. I haven't seen it in a long time. I got to rewatch it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, a couple of quick fires I had was Doctor Hill from Reanimator, the, who just ends up being like a severed head. Not really like, not great on my part. But nope. then the then I thought of. <laughs> Uh, J- Jeff Goldblum in The Fly in his transformation, mm. not like the end yeah. state of The Fly, but like in between right. when he's like, you know, like covered in pot, like bubbles and pustules and shit. Um, sure, that's like yeah. a, that's, he. I mean, great, gives a great performance as well. But great, yeah, great question, John. It really was a thinker. Like I had to rack my brain, mm-hmm. and look, do some googling. Yeah, you broke Eric. He pretty much failed. So uh, you know, good, good work. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, if you want to write right. to us, you can do so at killstreakpod at gmail.com or you can do it on, on Twitter uh, at killstreakpod. There, I got those plugs out of the way so I won't have to do it with the nice. end of the show because hey. this might be a big one. We are talking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, the OG yeah. This is a huge movie for myself personally, and, and I think for you as well, Price, right? Absolutely, yeah. It is one um, that I... It's it's an interesting movie for me, and I wonder how this relates for you, because as an influential building block of the genre that we love so much, it is one of the earliest sort of uh, foundational pieces. But... yeah. It was maybe uh, halfway through my, you know, life as a as a big time horror fan that I really, well, I think had a chance. I actually saw it for the first time and also had a chance to really understand uh, how important it was and how influential influential it was. It tends to kind of come on the heels of like Friday the Thirteenth, The Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. even though it's really much more important. It it really is. Um, and I think those other movies are kind of more well-loved because they're more fun. Mm-hmm. This is not a <laughs> yeah. fun movie, really. Um, no. So in my memory, I think I saw this maybe in junior high or high school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In my phase of like my prime horror movie fandom and mm-hmm. um, also like just film fandom and, and – Sure. So it was one that, like, when I saw it, it completely rocked me. Like, it is yeah, lightning in a bottle in a lot of ways, but just the tone, the like, the this nihilistic mm-hmm. cacophony that is this movie just really shook me in a way that, like, yeah. I don't think many other horror movies have. And it continues no. to do that to me today. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, I saw it a little bit later, probably college. So, um, which is, you know, it at that. And and I saw it at a point where once I I walked away from seeing it, I was like, well, you fucking moron. Like, you should have seen this movie, (laughs) you know, 10 years ago, um, which, you know, when I was 11, um, which sounds fucked up. But it's also when I watched most of my favorite horror movies for the first time. Right. Yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, I don't. I don't think I could put it any better than lightning in a bottle, like you said. And I think that you know, there's a, there's a, largely that's a compliment, and in a few yeah. ways, it's a little bit of a backhanded compliment. Yeah, which I'm sure some some stuff we'll touch on this week and also next week and down the road as we talk about this whole franchise. Yeah. Um, but for what it is, uh, it is so visceral. Mm-hmm. It is 
Um, and, and I think a lot of the time people use that term, especially when we're talking about horror movies. Uh, I think you you default to this idea of like literally visceral, like blood, guts, gore, right? But I think that even more so, this one ends up being like it hits you in the gut and it feels like it's such an instinctual movie. It's so based on creating a tone and a feeling and it does that so effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it and I think it's really... It's also like it's an inspiration to me as someone who still wants to try to make a film uh, at some point in the future um, of how uh, how to sort of execute a less is more type of approach to a film. Um, And it's just I mean, Christ, there's there's a million things I could say about this movie. And instead, I just like I. I feel like I don't even know where to start. Um, There's you know? a quote, I believe, that I think uh, my boy Roger Ebert said about this, which is mm. like, it's it's a movie, I may be misattributing it, but uh, it's okay. a movie that feels like it was made by Mad Men. And that's something <laughs> that always stuck with me about, yeah. about this movie, because it really does. Like the, yes. ton- the, like, the chaos, the chaotic nature of this movie, especially when shit starts to pop off, it's just like mm-hmm. it is so disturbing. I think the set yeah. design, like it's a combination of the set design, the sound design, the acting, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and just the con, like the noises everybody's making. Everybody's so, like the the family, the killer family is so loud and like giggly mm-hmm. and weird and yelling and yeah. you know Sally screaming and it's it's like so, um, relentless in its approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think that's a great way to segue into talking about the development and the and the shooting of the movie because the idea that this was created by Mad Men um, may may there there's some foundation and truth to that and and that's not to say that Toby Hooper, the director, or uh, his his co writer Kim Henkel are are crazy people, but. The circumstances and the conditions around making this movie, I think I watched I watched a whole feature length documentary that uh, was all about just interviewing the cast members of this movie uh-huh. uh, and the, basically them recounting their experiences and talking about how they landed in it and what it was like. And I mean, we hear this about movies all the time, but I definitely, you know, believed all of them especially because they're all telling the same story like shooting this sounded like hell on earth yes yes Um, (laughs) it did and and it's funny and it and it makes perfect sense because the most insane scenes in this film are also the ones that the cast recalls as being the most horrible to shoot and the most punishing and I do think that a lot of what we're seeing captured on film for better or worse is like a lot of real uh madness, fear, anger, like um you know, I I generally speaking and I I'm someone who is a big advocate for um safe working conditions, mm-hmm. uh reasonable hours. I'm a labor man. I'm, you know, I'm I'm all for <laughs> Uh, you know, employee protections, but you, it's hard to argue with the results of a film like this. Um, yeah. You know, and it gives me mixed feelings about all of that, really. It does. Yeah. Cause so uh, I think I probably watched the same thing you did, although I don't recall mm-hmm. it all that well. 
um it it was hot it was miserable long 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 hours um yeah they legitimately hated the person who played franklin the guy who played franklin <laughs> like, yeah. I, like i think he like he, either he was so method but he like mm-hmm. was i think it was it was that he was so method that he like wouldn't break character and they like were that's super the pop- fucking annoyed with him yeah that's the popular story that he was a theater guy and he was like i'm just gonna be annoying ass franklin all the time and they were like fuck <laughs> this dude <laughs> um yeah all of that is true uh the heat the famously so the dinner scene which uh-huh. I mean, I think one could argue, at least in terms of insanity, is probably the the climax of this film. Yeah, yeah, um, I think it is. It, it's also it, uh, one of my favorite f- scenes in a horror movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up. Um, that's a scene that, due to a couple different practical concerns, they shot in one run for 26 hours. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And that includes, uh, you know, the grandpa character is uh, a 20 something guy in makeup that took 10 hours to apply. And he was in that makeup for more than a day. um, Just shooting this scene. Uh, You know, uh, it's 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 almost I mean, it's it's an unpleasant interview to watch. But Gunnar Hansen, who plays Leatherface, um just legitimately cut Marilyn Burns finger with a knife in that scene because they were having so much trouble making it work. And the way he tells it and the way it's written uh, sounds like it's not even clear whether or not she gave her consent for that. He it's like, and he talks about it with a, with a good deal of regret and basically just says, we had been shooting for 22 hours. Everyone was insane. And he tells this long honestly horrifying story of how you spend that much time like getting that amped up into this murderous character without a break that everyone was just sort of like you know you got this feeling that people were almost sort of disassociating from themselves and like getting a little too into the characters that they were playing wow um and it's all i mean it's funny because like the things that we're talking about they're not this is this is not good stuff Right. The, no, the, the, no. But it, it, it led to the creation of something so singular and so successful that, you know, it's you know, it's the kind of thing that I think uh, filmmakers, film fans love to romanticize. But then it's like, well, we probably shouldn't make any more movies like. Yeah. This. It's like, so what are the costs? I mean, because if you look, I'm looking now at, at the uh, mm-hmm. at the IMDb pages of all these actors. Yeah. Not none of none of them really worked much after this. Uh, Jim yeah. Sidow or Sidow, who plays the mm. father figure, the old man. Uh, he was in part two. Nobody else returned yeah. for part two. Even Gunnar Hansen, who played Didn't, Leatherface. I thought Marilyn Burns came back for part two. Uh, no, uh, no, she's she came okay. back for like other ones, but no, because in part two it's like Slim gotcha. or whatever her name is. It's okay. like another woman. Um. Uh yeah, so a lot of these people just didn't do anything after this, and I wonder if it's because they were so like scared off from the process. I mean, I think that might be that might be part of it. Another thing that I uh, that I gathered was that part of it is that part of it is that these are not these were not Hollywood actors, so no, 
this is this is an Austin production. It was very cool to read about all this stuff. So, I mean, you know, for anyone who like this isn't this isn't like exciting news or anything, but I'm in the process of applying to uh, go back to grad school to actually uh, pursue an MFA in film. And like my number one pick is UT Austin, uh, where I'm located. And that's like the literally the UT Austin film department is like where this film was born, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Toby Hooper is an Austin guy. Kim Hankel, Austin guys. They both were, or, or Hooper was a professor who taught film. Um, a lot of the actors were students, uh, at UT at the time or, you know, minor actors from Dallas, uh, other parts of Texas, but like Marilyn Burns worked at UT, um, and just a, a cool piece of trivia. So the movie, uh, largely was shot, seven minutes from my house really probably yeah so it was all shot in round rock which is just the next town north of austin um and funny enough so i i did a little bit more research and found that um where the original house was it's been preserved and moved to another town about 60 miles away oh wow uh and it exists as a restaurant now it's completely redone on the inside and, and you know kept up but it still looks like the same house but the original location is now just part of a housing and like retail development called La Frontera, where I was I was within 200 yards of the original location of this shoot last week for a dermatologist appointment. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I hopped on Google Maps a couple of days ago and I was like, fuck, I was right there. Um and it is, I mean, it's depressing to see how much the land has changed and interesting and all that. But this is besides the point. Um, yeah, yeah how did that dermatologist appointment go? Uh, good. Anything Nothing weird. Concerned about? No, we do a skin check once a week because I, or once, once a week. Uh, I'm very fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> once a year. Uh, there's a family history of skin cancer. And uh, yeah, just trying to stay safe. Everything's looking good, so, good so far this year. Um, but yeah, anyways, we're talking about, uh, how this was all based out of Austin. So to answer your original question, I don't think a lot of these people were pursuing acting careers. Uh -huh. Um, these are just people who ended up, uh, being in a movie just cause it was a thing to do or a way to make a couple bucks. Yeah, man. Yeah. And so Toby Hooper obviously went on to have a mm -hmm. career, but man, he never really hit these heights again. No, and right? I mean, I think this Never. is something we already talked about a little bit. Yeah, we did during Return of the Living Dead, right? So right at the outset of the show, um, I mean, here's the thing: depending on how you want to, and none of us know, right, at this point, but how you want to classify the situation around his work on Poltergeist, that would be the argument that he did. That's the other high that he hit. Yeah, in his career. Yeah, right? uh, for, for for whatever you believe about the interactions between Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper on the set of that movie, Toby Hooper has the directing credit for Poltergeist, which is a great film. Um, yeah, so he so he has directed two great movies, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, and I also think that Salem's Lot, the miniseries that he did, is is pretty good. Uh, I like it quite a bit. And um, but yeah, outside of that. There's a lot of near misses. Uh, there's a lot of big misses. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, what else? Have Have you seen anything else of Toby Hooper's 
that yeah i've seen life you have force. strong positive uh, feelings I, about no life force i like about half of it mm-hmm. um i i've seen eaten alive i didn't really like it uh, mm-hmm. sorry just don't don't mean to run down i've seen texas chance massacre <laughs> 2 tune in next mm-hmm. week to find out my thoughts sure. on that yeah uh, but yeah no not really <clears throat> Just uh, yeah. Oh, I guess I've seen the Mangler. <laughs> That's not good though. The Mangler's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So certainly not a career where he, uh, he, you know, it seems like there's missed potential, lost uh-huh. potential. However you want to, because this movie is something truly special. Um. And. I mean, I almost wonder, like, you start to, and, and there's so much, it's, this is all just speculation, right? Like, I, this is based in nothing other than, like, oh, no, I'll take a wild guess. I mean, you wonder about things like scale, right? Just, like, the scale of a production. Yeah. And uh, a movie like this was so small, it had such a low budget, uh, it was, uh, I think, all being said and done around $140,000, Wow. and I think more more than half of that came in post-production, so really uh shot so cheap and you know with a small crew and a small budget it's just a very 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 different experience than shooting a studio movie which is almost like it it makes you wonder is is it like a is it a curse to have a movie be this successful so that you almost it becomes difficult for you to make such a small scale film again yeah yeah no that's definitely concern i mean but you know at the end of the day he did make a masterpiece and i think Mm -hmm. that it can't be argued that this might you know whatever actually you know i'm gonna save that for my end (laughs) my end thought little teaser there yeah yeah but you have you have some you have some some fondness for this film there's no question about i really do yeah and i know uh actually i just saw a tweet from somebody i know who listens Mm -hmm. uh robbie i think you're wrong on this one (laughs) <laughs> we got somebody who doesn't like this movie yeah oh man well we they do. can get fucked <laughs> but please keep please keep listening to the podcast please keep though, listening, but yeah. also get fucked um yeah but i mean so many things that this movie did that like established even right so this is you know we gotta remember this predates halloween it predates friday the 13th yeah um it's not necessarily a traditional slasher right right um it doesn't have things like first person camera um i think it unfolds in a slightly different way frankly i think it's better than most slashers you know I agree, almost yeah. all of them yeah. right um but it establishes like uh one of the things you know that you see everywhere it's just like um this idea of like a power tool as a weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something that we see over and over again uh, in the late seventies and in the eighties, and uh, drills and saws and hammers and you know whatever. Uh, what am I forgetting? What other power tools are there? <laughs> um, well, saws are the big ones. I would say that yeah, saws are pretty big. Movie. Yeah, not always chainsaws. Yeah, we gotta... the jackhammer dildo <laughs> that's in Naked Gun. <laughs> um, I, I also example. wanted I wanted to point out uh, that like for a movie that is considered to be pretty grisly, not a lot of on screen gore. Yeah, it's pretty no, tame in that regard. Not. 
but it's it does such a good job at making you think like you are seeing some mm-hmm. heavy shit uh, because yeah. it, I, I think it, it largely in part to the set design because everything is so gross on set you're like, and just like right. some really interesting editing that mm-hmm. like it's actually really left in your imagination a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also an interesting movie in that not only has it spawned uh, a hand, a number of sequels, which we're going to cover as well as uh, two different remakes more or less and sequels to those movies, but it also has a whole other lineage of movies that aren't directly sequels or remakes, but are pretty much just doing the same thing over again. Uh, The most noteworthy of which is probably Rob Zombie's, um, what do we even call the series now? There's a name for it. The, there the is, the and family? I can't remember. Yeah, um, the House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, um, and then the last three. One was, I didn't see. Yeah, it's three it's something. Three something. Uh, yeah, three to something. I'll look it up. Three but anyways, um, three ten to Yuma. <laughs> that's correct. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, which are uh, you know those oh, are fi- some movies like the that Fireflies I have. or something like that. The Firefly family, yeah. So anyways, um, you know, and that's just one of a handful of movies. So we have things, you know, these recurring motifs of like uh, bones and collections of dead animals and and the sort of like stumbling upon these, uh, you know, a house full of rednecks, essentially. Um, That's Mm -hmm. the idea here, right? Um, Yeah, this really kind of establishes a theme we will see for... And this is the other thing that fucks me up about this movie. Almost 40 years um, of movies like sort of uh, shining a light on it's almost this fear of whether they are people who live rural lifestyles, poor, you want to call them rednecks, hicks, whatever it is. Uh But it's like, this is such, this is a well that horror movies just love to keep coming back to. And I really feel like this is what started all of that. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, like this combined with like deliverance or something. Yeah, pretty much. And what, I mean, those have got to be right around the same time. I think. I think so. Um, Yeah. I'm looking up when deliverance came out 72. So two years earlier, um, so yeah, I mean, are there any other big things you want to say about it? There's a couple more interesting details about how the movie came together, but, um, I mean, it's just such a yeah, big no, movie. I, it's I, almost like, you know, the only thing I can think of is, is very obvious. Everybody knows this, but it being, mm. uh, loosely based on the serial killer, Ed Gein, uh, yeah. who's a Wisconsin boy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, you're taking a sip of something right when I ask you a question. No, that's all right. It was it was water. Okay, it wasn't a sip of anything weird. All right, so I don't know why you have to apply <laughs> it, that. I, it was calm. It was just it was water. It was okay. just clear, goopy water. Um, <laughs> Ew. So I don't know why I said clear. It's cloudy, goopy water. But anyways, um, yeah, was it's like Crystal Wisconsin. <laughs> you remember Crystal Gravy? The SNL, <laughs> yeah, the SNL sketch. Yeah. That was really That's good. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, Wisconsin. We happen to have two of like the top five most famous serial killers of all time. Uh, Dahmer, our boy. Mm. Uh, but then, yeah, Ed Gein, 
also the inspiration for Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Uh, he's, I want to say, there's a handful of other movies that he's the inspiration Psycho, for. Psycho, I believe. Psycho, yeah, that's right. His big thing is like kind of holding on to and doing weird shit with bodies and then skin. So, like, the, the, the single biggest inspirations you'll see in this movie are Leatherface's face and then the uh, human skin lampshades that show up uh, yeah. in the house. But, yeah, one of the things that I thought was interesting uh, doing a little more research was not just Ed Gein, but they also, uh, in part, based some of this off of a Texas serial killer uh, whose name I think was, what was it, Elmer something? Fucking hell. I'm supposed to have notes for this. Yes. Something Henley. Yeah. Elmer Wayne Henley. Uh, who is three if names. anybody? Yeah, always. If anybody watched um, the Netflix series uh, Mindhunter, right? Was that what it was called? Manhunter? Mindhunter. It was called Mindhunter. I liked it. Yeah, Mindhunter. The Fincher thing. Yeah. You watched that, right? Yeah. Only the pilot. So he's some. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't like it. Okay. Well, that's weird, man. Um, I thought it was a bad pilot. Maybe it gets better, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, cool. You want to be <laughs> Mr. Cool, Mr. Cool hipster guy doesn't like anything. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's, sounds a lot like, you know, me. Eric I Gosselin. hate everything. <laughs> it's like the Eric Goslin of 2001. Um, but uh, yeah, in the second season, they spent an episode with this guy and he was interesting because he was like a procurer of victims for an older serial killer. But this was a big story in around Houston and I think the 60s and 70s. Uh, or 70s particularly. So right around the time uh, this movie came out, uh, he was big in the news. But um, definitely like inspiration being drawn from serial killers. That was the big thing, mm-hmm. right? When Hooper and Henkel wrote this, they were going for this kind of realistic feeling that they got, which was just like, hey, what if these people weren't evil? What if they were just fucking nuts? Mm-hmm. And... And they were like psycho murderers, you know, just like and I I think whatever whatever direction they gave to their their cast and also a lot of the decisions that the cast made on their own, like really makes it work. It like makes it feel I mean, you said chaos a bunch of times in the beginning, and I think that's so apt because it's you what you don't feel from the villains in this movie is this sense of like of like deliberate plotting and evil intention. It's, it's yeah. just depravity and violence and chaos, you know? And also um, I'll get into this in my recap, uh, but like the feeling that they're just minding their own business in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then these people are like <laughs> invading their territory. Right. They just show up at their house. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens, you know, everybody who gets murdered in this movie uh, with the exception of Franklin, I think. Yeah, shows up at their front door. Yeah, you know? or walks into their house. Yeah, walks into their house. Yeah, so uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, this is an all timer. Uh, there's a million things to read about this movie. Uh, and so if you're interested, go do a little bit of digging. But uh, I won't bore you with any more of my paraphrased details. Yeah, let's get into the recap. Let's take a quick break. And we're going to come back, do this movie. What? That didn't make sense. <laughs> we're <laughs> going like to crash into We're going to crash into this movie. <laughs> in a boy's dream. All right, see you on the other side. 
Okay, we start with uh, John Larroquette's opening narration, uh, the opening crawl. Um, wasn't he just friends with Toby Hooper? Isn't that the deal what, what, with it? Yeah, they, I think they just knew each other. Um, yeah, there is, yeah, there isn't like a, I mean, I don't think Larroquette wasn't famous at this point. No, no, I don't think so. Um, yeah, he was, I think, a complete unknown. Uh, and yeah, he was just, uh, just somebody that Toby Hooper knew. Uh, I mean, he has a great it, voice. It makes sense. Oh, absolutely. He also just has a great, um, being yeah i assume i assume john larroquette he's like one of those guys that i'm like he's probably been canceled at this point i don't think so i don't think so because he's great Um, he's really great i used to listen to his son's podcast uh yeah dude uh Uh i think it's uh, yeah which is it's just funny that his son his son is a podcast anyway and it's also named john larroquette it's also yeah john larroquette yeah (laughs) the film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths in particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, not based on a true story. Not based uh, on a true story. Only, only very loosely. Just a, a great marketing technique. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So then we get uh, some photos being taken of corpses. And we get this crazy sound that the flash bulbs make. Like, mm-hmm. it's super it's really unpleasant. Really unpleasant. The dead bodies in this movie look great. Uh, do, you have, do you have any insight oh, yeah. into like what they used? No, no, I wasn't able to track down anything specific. And it's funny because they just look, a lot of them just look real. They just yeah, they're just like, like real corp- corpses. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, just that's, look that's like what... fucking corpses. <laughs> It's gross, yeah. especially uh, these. So we uh, get these corpses like positioned on a grave, like ones like mm-hmm. sitting on top of the grave, like the like the obelisk is like going up his ass or something. It's fucking weird looking. Um, yeah, and, and we the get- light in this scene is also like horrifying. It's like so they let it, it just runs so warm with like the sun. Yeah, so it's all yellowish orange, and it just feels oppressive. And it's yeah, it's really yeah. That's another that's another thing I'm glad you brought up is the light because ninety percent of this movie takes place in the sunlight, like the, the yeah. hot Texas sun. Yeah, uh, and I think that's something that really sets this movie apart from a lot of other stuff is that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is to me. There's always been something more terrifying about like well executed daytime horror, right? Yeah. Because oh, that would have been a good segment t- too. Final segment. <laughs> we fucked up. Yeah, um, we fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> maybe. Maybe if the maybe if part two is a lot of daytime stuff. Yeah, I think part two is a lot of nighttime stuff. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. but hey, we can always revisit it some other time. Uh, we get a radio story about corpses being vandalized in the area. Uh, dozens of empty crypts. And then we got the credits. It's like red. It looks like it's the surface of the sun or something, which I think is what it is. It looks like sunspots or sun. Because mm. they mentioned that, don't they? Isn't there something about. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of Assault on Precinct 13. Sorry. I just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We got a dead armadillo in the middle of the road. Very Texas. Very, have you seen any mm-hmm. dead armadillos since being in Texas? I have. Yeah, I've seen dead armadillos. We see tumbleweeds sometimes. Uh, yeah. you know, cactus. Lots of cactus. Uh, so. A van pulls off. 
it's our it's our characters are here i i don't want to call them heroes they're not heroes yeah no. um they get old poor franklin in his wheelchair out he has to piss in a coffee can but unfortunately a tractor trailer truck drives by and Franklin rolls down the hill out of his chair, eats shit completely, probably pisses all over the front of himself. Uh, they, they Coffee are, can full of piss goes flying. Oh, my God. They are not kind. Both the movie and the characters in the movie are not yeah. kind to Franklin. And I think that used to not bother me as much as this viewing. Like, it really mm-hmm. disturbed me how mean they are to Franklin. And I used to think yeah. he, was, he was annoying mm-hmm. when I first watched the movie, like the first few times. But this time around, I'm like, I really sympathize for him. I think it's just a product of yeah. getting older. I don't know. He's he's whiny, certainly. He's but very like, whiny. But the beats that his whiny. character has to go through. Yeah, it's like, well, he gets treated like shit. I will say that, yeah, I mean, again, this movie is going to turn 40 in three years. So Holy shit. Um, it, it's not super progressive when it comes to... Uh, Things like like dealing with Franklin's character, someone in a wheelchair. And also, like, I'm not even going to wade into whether like what what may or may not be problematic about this. But I, I mean, it is an interesting piece of trivia worth knowing that Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface, uh, drew a lot of his inspiration from uh, visiting a special needs school oh. and observing observing people there, which I mean, I think he executes fairly well, but it's also... Like, eh, you know, do we yeah. do we really want to be drawing parallels between people with special needs and, and murderers? Murderers, like, probably, yeah. Probably not. Uh, and that's not the only element of that. You hear that from a couple of the other cast members, too. I mean, specifically the other two guys who play, uh, you know, murderers in this mm-hmm. movie. So, uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, so then we meet his sister, Sally. Um she, I think she comes in to help him. Also, we got Jerry, who's like the guy with like the afro and glasses. Kirk and Pam. Pam's mm-hmm. reading astro- like about astrology. Yeah. Uh, they pull off and talk to some locals to find at a gravesite, and all the locals are just like getting drunk in a field with each other, <laughs> being weirdos. <laughs> Um, They're all camped out outside the the murder cemetery, just yeah. fucking having a party. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to find Granddaddy's grave, and this is one of the drunk guys. Like, I see things. It's just a weird. This like, all the locals is, provide this like strange energy that you're immediately like mm-hmm. on your on your heels about. Everything's um, uncomfortable from from the very beginning of this movie all the way to the end. It's just about discomfort. Yeah, the uh, granddad. Hasn't been dug up, which is good. Um, so they drive by the slaughterhouse. It reeks. Everybody's like, oh, what the fuck is that smell? And Franklin's like, it's the old slaughterhouse. That's where grandpa used to sell his cattle. Um, and then he goes on about like, oh, they, they used to bash their heads in with sledgehammers. And a couple times they take a couple licks to get them. Well, they don't do that anymore. They have a, a, a gun that, would shoot, that shoots a bolt into their head and gets them, right, gets them down right away. Everybody's like, dude, enough with the fucking <laughs> slaughterhouse talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turns out Franklin actually, uh, you know, is a, was part of the inspiration for Cormac McCarthy's No Country for Old Men, though. The speech. <laughs> Franklin <Yeah>. is? <laughs> no, not really. It's just the other thing that everybody yeah, yeah, knows yeah. a bolt gun from. Yeah. Man, what a good bolt gun in that movie, too. Holy shit. Um, so, yeah. 
uh, they see a hitchhiker and they pull over to pick him up. This was in the era of hitchhikers. And man, what a Even fucking guy, freak. Though. What a fucking freak this guy is. He's got half of his face is like blood stained or maybe it's a port wine stain. I'm not really sure. I think it's, it's, a, blood. it's supposed to be like a port wine birth stain. Yeah. Or, okay. You know, birthmark. Yeah. He's got like no. this fur pouch necklace on. Looks filthy. Like you can smell him right through the fucking screen. Yeah. <laughs> Franklin. Well, I think we just picked up Dracula. <laughs> Which are those good because we just came off our Drac off. So we know all about Dracula. Yeah. That's true. Uh, he's a total freak. He's talking about the slaughterhouse. And my, my family's always been in meat. Uh, we he prefers the sledgehammer. Granddaddy could hit him in one hit. <laughs> and he, he doesn't like the uh, the the new. And Frank's like, well, they don't use that anymore, right? He's like, yeah, but no, the sledgehammer's yeah. better. They died better yeah. that way. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because uh, if you haven't seen this before, you're like, why are they talking so much about slaughtering cattle in the first 10 minutes of this movie? Yeah. It's like, uh, there's, yeah, it's, it's, there's a through line for sure. Um, everybody's getting weirded out. He shows them pictures of like butchered cows. I was the killer. <laughs> he, he talks about head cheese. About like it's like you basically boil the head, scrape yep. everything off. My brother makes it real good. Um, that was a, like, yeah, a one, a one time working title for the movie. Head cheese. Head cheese. Oh yeah, well, I'm glad yeah. they didn't call it. That'd be head cheese. Have you ever had head cheese? You're an adventurous I eater. I have. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it good? It's what it's whatever. It's not. Yeah. It is not nearly as gross as it sounds, and it's also not good enough that anybody should be like should have it. Yeah, trying trying to get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he like takes Franklin's knife, who Franklin's like playing with his jackknife. He's like, "Hey, it's a good knife," and he cuts his hand and starts laughing. And it's a really cool moment where he's laughing, and everybody just kind of gets quiet, and he gets mm-hmm. quiet too, and he like looks around, and be like, "Oh shit." I went a little too far or something. So then he pulls yeah. out his uh, camera, his Polaroid camera. And, um, oh, no, no. First, he shows him his straight razor. He's like, I got a knife. It's a good knife. Um, then he pulls out his Polaroid, takes a picture, and invites them all to dinner. And then uh, he pulls out the picture. He shows it to Franklin. He's like, oh, it's not very good. He's like, it's a really good picture. Uh, $2, please. <laughs> like, we're not going to give you fucking $2. Um, and so he puts, he puts it this, I love how long this takes. He puts it down yeah. on a thing of tinfoil. He, he goes he brought, into his pouch. He, br- he has a special, like he has the setup to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like this he is has like something two, he does. Yeah. Two different pieces of tinfoil. One that he like lays down for his mat to work on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then, exactly. Yeah. And then one full of gunpowder and then he burns mm-hmm. the picture and everybody freaks out. He closes the picture. He like wraps it up in tinfoil so that it doesn't, you know, it extinguishes a flame. Like, I think he puts it back in his little pouch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he cuts, he pops up and cuts Franklin's arm in like a really grisly cut too. Like it looks pretty yeah. gross. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's essentially a straight razor. Uh, and yeah, kind of drags it across his forearm and they get a good effect. Yeah. So like, I don't want to undersell this. It's like, it's a gruesome arm slice. Yeah, it really is. They pull over to the side of the road and they dump them. And as they're pulling away, he runs after and like marks their car up with blood. Um, Franklin's fucking blubbering. 
<laughs> inside <laughs> crying and like freaked out. Uh, Pam's reading this passage in her horoscope book about how it's not going to be a good day. And there's like mm. one of the quotes is like, there are moments when we may not believe what is happening is really true. Pinch yourself and you may find that it really is. Um, they pull over to the gas station. Some dude there is just fucking staring at the sun. <laughs> His head, head back, fully staring in the sun. Yeah. Pulling then a we trail. meet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. We meet um, the owner who is just referred to as old man in, this, in the script, I think, or in IMDb at mm. least. Uh, they're like, well, can you fill her up? He's like, I ain't got no gas. <laughs> <laughs> um, you dumb fucks what are you doing what do you think this is a gas station a gas station yeah. they ain't got anything they're running out of gas Franklin asks if he knows where his grandpa's house is you don't want to go messing around in an old house those things are dangerous but I got some barbecue um, you best stick around here Franklin is like absentmindedly knifing up the van <laughs> just like kind of digging <laughs> into the side like Franklin what are you doing he's like oh sorry man uh, and he notices her blood is, there's blood on his knife. That guy cut the hell out of himself. He's and he's all worried that he's like, did you think I did something to make him mad? It's like, no, frankly, he's fucking crazy. <laughs> um. Meanwhile, they return. They got big bags of barbecue. Sally notices the blood on the side of the van. <clears throat> um. So yeah, the Franklin just keeps going on about like, oh, you think you think he could find us out here? Hey, why do you think he blew my picture up like that? Um, they find the family house. It's abandoned. Totally look like I don't know why the fuck they're going in this goddamn house. It's a piece of shit. This whole trip has a sort of questionable motivation behind there's, it. It doesn't uh, seem fun. In even the best case scenario, which is like there's a right. swimming hole. It's like that doesn't yeah. seem very fun either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on how far away they are from. from yeah, that's true. From. Maybe they're only like forty yeah. minutes away, but you get a mm. sense that it's like a big trip for them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Franklin has this hot link sticking out of his mouth like a like a cigar. Looks gross. <laughs> the rest of the crew checks out the abandoned house. Uh, you have this crazy close up shot of like daddy long legs all on top of each other. Um, for, meanwhile, Franklin is like, this is where I started to feel bad for him, really, because they mm-hmm. just kind of leave him behind, and he's left to fend for himself. It's not wheelchair yep. accessible. And he's, no, he's not like remotely calling for help. They're all like canoodling because oh yeah, I should mention like Jerry. I think Jerry and or Kirk and Pam are boyfriend girlfriend, and, and then mm-hmm. um, Sally and and Kirk and Jerry are boyfriend girlfriend, which, which making Franklin literally the yeah the fifth wheel. Yeah. Sorry, I could also, tell. I could tell you knew where I, what I was going to say, and I saw the disappointment in your face before I said it. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to talk about how unappealing as a mate Jerry is. That's all. oh, I know. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> um, he, he's a fucking. He's a total fucking loser. Uh, anyways, yeah. Sorry, so Franklin, Alan Danziger, if you're still alive, uh, <laughs> please continue. Franklin's calling for help. He's struggling. He's getting pissed. Sally! He's like blowing raspberries. So mad he's blowing raspberries. This is part of what makes him annoying is they do. He is portrayed very childishly. And I think that's part of what what is very unappealing about his character. You're right. Uh, Come on, Franklin. It's going to be a fun trip. If I have any more fun today, 
I don't think I'll be able to take it. It runs into a wall. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> feel bad for him. Starts you know, crying runs, like it, a baby. Yeah, it really does. There is like some funny stuff that happens in this movie that I don't think I really appreciated until like this viewing. Yeah. Uh, Kirk and Pam try to find the swimming hole. Meanwhile, Franklin finds like a pile of animal skulls uh, outside, like on the stoop. Um, there's like, animal skulls and feathers and a mobile, like a bone mobile hanging from the door jam. Sally! Uh, Kirk and Pam find the dried swimming hole. It's just a crease in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look like there's ever water there. Yeah, yeah. And then you feel bad for Franklin again because they're like, how did Franklin get down here anyway when he was little? They're like, well, somebody must have carried him when he was little. Franklin was never little. Brutal. Oh. Guy's yeah. in a fucking wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, everybody's an asshole. I mean, that that is the one thing, though, is like, they, I don't know, this movie, I, there's something about the characterizations they choose for all these people that actually really works for me, that they, like, don't try super hard to make any of them, they aren't archetypes like you get used yeah. to in other movies, right? Yeah. It's not like the funny one and the hot one and the nice one and, you know, spoiler, Sally's our final girl. There's nothing special about her character. No, there's she's nothing. Just, she's just the one who survives, yep. you know? Yeah, um, no, and it and makes it feel more real. You know? <clears throat> I really appreciate, too, they don't make anybody like particularly nice or likable, and they don't make Franklin mm-hmm. very nice or likable either. Like, you kind of don't right. like any of them. But it's not like yeah. in a way they're like, oh, I want to see these people get cut up. Like it's still mm-hmm. whatever. What the things that happen to them are still horrifying. Yeah. Uh, so they hear a generator in the distance. Oh shit! There's gas. I bet they have some to spare. They approach the house. Um, there's a f- cool moment where Kirk like finds a bunch of cars hidden under this like camo netting, so it can't be seen from the sky. Yeah, it's a nice little detail. Um, they get into the house. They get to the house. There's a wooden swing out front. Knock on the door. No answer. And then Kirk <clears throat> kicks a human tooth on the front porch. And he's like, "Got something for you." And he hands it to Pam. <laughs> Dick move. I would have done it though. It's just like, it's just like I would have done. <laughs> In college, at least. Yeah. Yeah. She screams. Then the door sort of swings open, and he when he knocks, he goes inside. And it sounds like there's like a pig squealing or something. Yeah. So he goes and down he's very this hallway. Bold. He just goes straight in. He goes yeah. straight in. Um, yeah. Because I'm oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say something else. Um, no, I'm just like I'm 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 anticipating because like spoiler alert, like we're 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 in the midst of this is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. This is my like literally these next two minutes or so to me is like this is my favorite. This is I'm just like, all right, let's go. I want to I want to hear it. It's great. Tell it to me good. So he goes down the hallway. There's like a little red room. He trips as he's walking up there. There's like a like a, a ramp or something up there. He trips into it. And then he looks up. Leatherface is right there holding a hammer. He knocks him in the head. Kirk goes down and just starts spasming. That's something that yeah. really, really stuck with me. This since mm-hmm. I first saw this movie, he starts shaking. His legs are shaking, and then yeah, leather- they, they they set this all up with the conversation in the car about hitting, yep, cattle in the head. Uh, yeah, and he just he's flopping all over the ground, and it's so fucking 
Gnarly. It's so gross. Leatherface clocks him a few more times and then pulls him in, slides this metal door shut. And it happens very quickly and Mm -hmm. so well done that it... This is also probably one of my favorite parts of the movie as well. Like, I, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, I mean, I just want to, like, if film nerd me wants to touch on just a couple things that always stayed with me about this scene. And it's like, it to me, the shot that they get is, it's like up there with, like, most memorable horror movie shots I can think of. Mm-hmm. Because it's basically... The set design they did in this movie is so good. So it's like there's just skulls everywhere. It's just animal skulls and animal bones and animal pelts all over the walls. Yeah. But it's all very like gray, off white. But then this root, there's this door, the ramp up to the door. And then the room that he is walking towards has this d- deep red wall. Yeah. It just right? sticks out. So it's. Yeah. So it's like pulling you towards it is just this red room with all these skulls. And and yeah, just like the the speed with which this un this happens, it's so shocking. And it's like, luckily, I haven't experienced a lot of super traumatic violence firsthand in my life. But the amount that I have and the amount of things that I have seen by accident or, you know, sort of, uh, you know, all of us at some point in our life, I think, witness you know, we'll see something on the internet or something on television, whether it's news or whatever, but just like true violence, right? Yeah. And it, and it has, to me, this matter-of-factness and this speed that it tends to happen with where you're, you're almost like, wait, what happened? Like, did I... Like, your brain almost, like, skips a, it skips a beat, kind of, and you're like, before yeah. you even register what you just saw. Right. And this, this death, this scene feels like that to me more than almost anything I've ever seen in any other horror movie. Yeah. And it's not a gory. It's not like shockingly violent. It's just so matter of fact and quick that it's just mm-hmm. like, what the fuck it just happened. Yeah. Um, and leather th- face is making like crazy noises too. If I remember correctly in that slamming of the door, like that mm-hmm. shut and there's like a, something in the soundtrack that's like zzz, like a drone. Yeah. That is really, really effective. And then it cuts to it's Pam like a, outside. Yeah. And this is a great shot. I love this shot. It's a it's low tracking shot. Yeah. shot where like the sunlight's like golden. Like it's like an ass shot. <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. it's like kind of alluring and pretty. But then it's like right. uh, horrific too. Cause she she walks up to the to the house, goes inside. Yeah. Um, and it's and just to, to finish talking about that shot, it's like the way it's framed. Is it is it because it's low angle, it makes the house look enormous and like imposing. Yeah. And so it just juxtaposes her and her very great butt. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and but with this terrifying house that she's about to go into. Um, so she gets inside. She f- trips and falls into a room that's like just f- the carpet is full of feathers. There's chicken mm-hmm. feathers. There's a chicken in a cage. There's bones everywhere. There's teeth on the ground. There's skeletons like wired to a love seat in like a mm-hmm. decorative pattern. Yeah. Um, there's hands like skeleton hands hanging from like string and skulls. She starts to gag, which is like, oh, yeah, the house must fucking reek. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like she's probably like smelling something really bad. And then Leatherface throws open that sliding door, chases her outside. 
uh, out the front door and he grabs her by the waist. I mean, this is such a famous shot as well. Mm-hmm. Grabs her by the waist, pulls her back in. Um, iconic shot. And then. Um, sorry, get the visitor here. My dog just. You just let. Scratching at my door. A, rac- a raccoon into your house? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Fig. Uh, here he is. Um, so. <laughs> he. Uh, uh sorry she starts to gag yeah yeah yeah. iconic shot he drags her back she drags her back in <clears throat> there's this like shot from behind this meat hook that's hanging from the ce- from the ceiling and he just mm-hmm. places her on it it's so gruesome it yeah and up- again we don't see any blood any gore it's no. just the implication of yeah she's being hung on a meat hook in, in um, and then uh, he into fi- her back oh, and she's like, she's like grabbing at it, struggling. Uh, he fires up his chainsaw, starts cutting up Kirk. Um, and she has to watch while she's hanging from this fucking meat hook. Um, it's really. Yeah, and you had mentioned you, you'd mentioned earlier on screaming as a motif and specifically uh, Sally's character. But like in scenes like this, we get it's it's like part. It's almost like it's part of the sound design, even though. It is, a, you know, a performance that's being given, but it's just like very understandable, but incredibly unnerving and sometimes annoying. Just yeah. like intense screaming, just the screaming of women. And it is so off putting, but it also feels very true. It feels like, yeah, probably that that's what that's what it would sound like in this room. Yeah. You know? it's, it's fucking crazy cacophony. Uh, so then the others are back at the van. They're teasing Franklin because he's all freaked out about the hitchhiker. Sally lost his knife. He's pissed off about that. Well, I gave it to you. Well, I thought I gave it back. Um, so Jerry's like, well, I'm going to go try to find this watering hole and find the others. Uh, Franklin and Sally have like this heart to heart. It's like, you really didn't want me to come, did you? She's like, yes, I did. I'm just tired. You do feel her like exasperation towards Franklin because mm-hmm. like Franklin doesn't spends a lot of time feeling sorry for himself, but like kind of rightfully yeah. so. Right. Uh, the sun's going down as Jerry walks to the house, um, and then he's at the front porch of the house and he sees like a towel or something. Like I, it's kind of hard to see. Um, it must be something he recognizes as having been from the other two characters, and he hears this weird noise coming. It's it's like sounds like a crossing like a pig squealing and like someone like giggling or something mm-hmm. um and it goes in he goes into that back room and he hears something rattling in the freezer he opens it up it's pam in there she starts spasming like flops out of the freezer leather face yeah, she looks comes a little out. half frozen she's a little blue yeah you can't really tell if like she's dead i think she must be dead but like just like kind of like has a little bit of nerve activity going on yeah, uh, Le- Leatherface comes out, sledgehammers him, and then kind of there's this great moment after he kills him where Leatherface is just looking around like, what the fuck is happening? Where are these fucking right. people coming from? He like looks out the window yeah. and, he, and he's like holding his head in his hand. He's like, what is going on? Like, why are there so many mm-hmm. people in my house? <laughs> Which I think is like such an interesting like detail. Yeah, absolutely. Because it goes back to what you were saying is it's like. Uh, and I and 
what is it? There's a movie that really runs with this premise, uh, which is it's Dale and and help oh, me with the yeah, name. Tucker and Dale fight evil or something like that. Yeah, which has an amazing like elevator pitch, which is basically just like they are the rednecks, right? Yeah. That are just constantly being accosted by teens, more or less, <laughs> that keep accidentally killing themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by by a series of like misunderstandings. So, but it is it is like yeah, these two people like regardless of how like the thing is it, you think about I don't know like Texas lawman shows up, is there even legal recourse for this? Right. I mean, <laughs> they both came into their house. They both broke yeah. into the house. Texas you know? is clearly one of those states where like I think there was an old man there's a story of an old man from Texas who invited somebody in their mm-hmm. house so he could shoot them or something like <laughs> Yeah, apparently that's illegal. At least I learned that in The Simpsons. That's because uh, Homer tries to do that to Ned. Oh, the, right. Yeah, the... that's right. That's right. <laughs> Big, what are you doing? Uh-oh. Having that some table, dog issues. That table, he's under a table that is uh, one of the legs is broken, and it's just like hanging on by a string. Almost oh, literally. Get, on, get off from the... Okay, so uh, it's nighttime now. The sunset. Sally and Franklin are at the van, wondering where everybody is. Uh, they're calling out for everybody. He wants to go back to that gas station and ask for help. But she's like, I'm not leaving Jerry here. And she wants his flashlight. He won't give it to her. And then he realizes, like, oh, they took the keys, Sally. They took the keys. And then she's like, fuck it. I'm taking the flashlight. I'm going to leave. He's like, well, oh, oh I'm going. I'm, Sally, I'm coming with you. Sally, I'm coming with you. Sally, I can't keep up with you. Because <laughs> she just like <laughs> leaves him in the dust. You feel so bad for him. Um, <clears throat> she's struggling, pushing him through the woods. And then suddenly, Leatherface just pops out, fires up his chainsaw, fucking chainsaws Franklin. Like right through his his head and his torso, mm-hmm. you don't we see, don't see it. any You're of behind it. Yeah. him, but you know right. what's happening. <clears throat> and then Sally runs and pretty much suspends the rest of the movie screaming. Like that's not not literally what happens, but it feels like that's what it what <laughs> more happens. or less. Yeah, yeah. Uh, running, so screaming, chases- captured, escaped, running, screaming. Yeah, yeah it's just exactly. Like- yeah. Uh, he captured. He chases her to the house. She runs upstairs as he's like sawing through the front door. She sees Grandpa. We meet Grandpa, which is this yeah. crazy looking old man who you're saying is like a, actually a young man in old man makeup, right? And right, it looks like that's what it looks like, but it's kind of effective in that it looks off. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think the I, I mean the idea behind it I think is great because you. And and also, I, I think a lot of credit to the set design here because there's such specific design to the rest of the house with all the feathers and skulls and kind of gruesomeness. But this is just like an empty upstairs room. It's almost completely empty. And all that's in it is a work light like yeah. on the ground and then two rocking chairs, one facing away from the camera and one towards the camera initially. And it's fucking spooky as shit. And yeah. basically, Grandpa, to me, I always interpreted this as you're supposed to think he's dead. He looks yes. like a mummified. He corpse, looks like he's dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's the and there impression is a that mummified corpse next to him too. There's like a yeah. there's like a dead old lady who might be Grandma. Right. I don't know. 
Yeah, um, I was like, I'm not sure if it's grandma or is it like a body they stole from the graveyard? And they just put him next to or, grandma, grandpa to keep him company. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah, know. Yeah. We'll never find out. We don't never? need to find out. That's no. movies don't have to work that way. You don't have to explain everything. Leatherface comes in, uh, like, comes through the door. She jumps through the window, the second story window. One of two yeah. windows she bursts through. <laughs> right. Which seems like an insane decision, but in the context of the events of this film, it's like, yeah, that it seems like the best option you have right yeah, now. Yeah, totally. You know, it, 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 like, makes sense. Um, so she jumps through the window. She runs. Leatherface chases her. She gets to the gas station. <clears throat> the old man's there. And he, he's like, you know, she's like, you got to help me. You got to help. He's like, okay, yeah, we'll get you some help. He pretends. She eyes the barbecue that's like hanging from hooks. Looks gross. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. the news report comes in about the grave robberies. Um, <clears throat> then he comes back with some rope. And he starts hitting over the broom. <laughs> yeah. The broom he, is this funny. Is, this, this whole exchange that they have, it like continues to like it really this whole movie just builds this unsettling reality where it's like it's another thing that's so matter of fact this guy who up to this point we just think is like her only help Mm -hmm. but he comes back and instead of having some dramatic like movies that have happened since this movie will copy this exact interaction but they'll they'll do it like he's got a secret and he tries to be yes. charming and get her into his truck and like there's a reveal but he's holding something behind his back he just fucking shows up with a bag and a rope and he's yeah, like yeah, all right you got to get in the bag get in the bag you know? yeah let me tie you up and get in the bag <laughs> um and yeah, yeah it's it, it's nuts yeah it's great cuz cuz like even then the first time you're watching this you're like well Maybe he'll help her. I don't know. I don't think so. But um, <laughs> he ties her up, gets her in the truck. And then there's this fucking, I love this part where he, I think she might be in the, in the bag at this point or not, but she's on the floor. He starts just poking mm-hmm. over the broom handle yeah. and making noises at her. Cause she's, cause she's making noise. She's like whimpering. And he just like pokes. Mm-hmm. He's like, you, you be quiet. It'd be fine. Pokes her. She starts like screaming yeah. and he's like kind of giggling while he does it. It's a yeah, really, it's really funny. That- the the interview with the actor he hated these scenes like oh really uh yeah i mean I yeah. Guess, yeah, as well, an actor I, that would be very uncomfortable to do yeah because in the previous scene it's like they were like yeah you gotta hit her harder with the broom as you all this and that's like she's in the bag it's not like an effect it's she's just this is a cheap ass movie yeah she is in that bag sitting in the passenger side wheel well and he's poking her with a stick my dog's trying to chew up a pillow Big, knock it off. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Oh boy. So <laughs> let's get through this and then I can bring him upstairs. Um, so then they drive by the hitchhiker, and this is where it all comes together. Um, uh, mm-hmm. because he pulls over and you're like, Oh, they know each other. Come here, you little nap haired idiot. I told you to stay away from that graveyard. So he's the one, the the hitchhiker guy is the one who's been digging up the graves, fucking around with them. Gets in the back of the truck. They go. To, they get up to the house. They bring her inside. Look what your brother did to the door. He starts hitting Leatherface. <laughs> Leatherface is like cowering and crying. Yeah. Um, and there's a fucking great moment. Sorry, I, I, I'm cutting off. There's a great moment where 
I don't remember exactly what they're talking about. Where he's like, yeah, and then who are these people? And then like he's like kind of talks himself out of being mad about that. Then he remembers the door, but the door, and he starts hitting Leatherface again. It's like <laughs> he like he's, he he gets mad. He's hitting Leatherface. Then he like calms down. It's like okay, that wasn't really your fault, but this door was your yeah. fault. So I can still hit you about that. Mm-hmm. It just kind of has like a real insight into this like family dynamic. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck my dog's doing. <laughs> um, Sally recognizes the hitchhiker. They tie her to Franklin's like wheelchair. Um, I think it's his wheelchair. She recognizes the hitchhiker, screams. He starts laughing. Get, get your grandpa. Okay, so this is fucking great. I love this scene. Mm. Uh, might be one of my Have favorite we... scenes in all of horror movie history. Go ahead. Yeah, before we launch into it, did we... In this in this scene when he comes home and he's bashing Leatherface with the uh, with the brew, or with the stick the whole time is he in the grandma wig at this point oh, Leatherface oh he, I'm not sure yeah. actually I'm not sure he, he has might get dressed up for that for dinner well he has three different outfits this is the thing is it's like they're very subtle changes mm-hmm. but it's like he has his initial outfit which is he has his like butcher smock on yeah right it's like an apron. Uh, and he just has his normal hair, his like crazy black hair. Yeah. And then, uh, I think when, when like dinner is being prepared and when like dad gets home, essentially he wears, um, more or less a grandma wig, Mm -hmm. uh, and he's wearing like a dress, I think. Um, and he's doing like like, this kind of dress or something. Yeah, yeah, and then there's a third outfit change for dinner where he gets all dressed up for dinner, which is about to start, and that's when he's wearing a suit and a tie. Uh, yeah. uh they don't look they don't look very good, and then and then his mask has makeup on it, so he's wearing rouge and lipstick. Yeah, and it is, oh and it's all just fucking nuts. Uh, Dog is chewing on my headphones. This is a disaster. <laughs> it seems like it's going really well. It's definitely not impacting the record at all. No, no, no. Um, um, so they, they bring grandpa down, they set grandpa on the other side of her, then they cut her finger and they start to, they take her finger and they put it in grandpa's mouth so he can just start sucking the blood. And that's when you realize, mm-hmm. oh shit, grandpa's alive. And he starts yeah. sucking on her finger. This like old man, mm-hmm. baby sucking. It's fucking weird. And so one of the subtle bits of this performance that. I always sort of acknowledged subconsciously and creeped me out about it until they really put a point on it in the interview is that the direction that Toby Hooper gave him was like, have you ever watched a baby feed and they get excited and they like flap their hands Uh and feet around? He's like, I want you to do that when you're sucking on her finger. Oh, it's awesome. And he does, and it's so goddamn creepy. But if you watch his arms, he's got these kind of chicken arms, and he's flapping them back and forth while he's sucking the blood from her finger. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. And like you said, this is the first time you realize this isn't just a mummified corpse, that this guy is still alive. Oh, it's so so creepy. She screams, and she passes out. There's too much happening. It's dinner time. She screams when she comes to as well. <laughs> so she comes to everybody's sitting around the dinner table. Leatherface is made up in his suit. Uh, she screams. They all start howling like wolves to her screams. It's so disturbing. 
um they start touching her face and her hair and she's like trying to 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 appeal to the old man um not the not grandpa but the old man he's like mm-hmm. you can make him stop you can make him stop and he's like well yeah boys will be boys basically um <laughs> he doesn't have any 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 uh heart for bloodshed he doesn't like the bloodshed i'm just right. the cook and then the uh, oh yeah the uh hitchhiker's like hey, he's just the cook me and leatherface do all the work and they start laughing in her face and like making fun of her for whimpering and stuff it's mm-hmm. so cruel and relentless yeah. uh we get this like crazy extreme close up of her eyes like very very like you can see the blood vessels in her eyes and this what we're in right now you know this is this is at, at this this is that scene we talked about that they shot for 26 hours straight and at, at yeah. various points in this every single cast member here is slowly losing their mind um Oof. yeah all right get on with it so they're going to let grandpa take his licks on her with a hammer and yeah, don't there's worry. a big debate as to who's going to do it and they this comes back to this conversation yeah and the hitchhiker was in the van. Well, Grandpa's the best killer. He could always do it in one swing. <laughs> right? So they're even like trying to comfort her with this knowledge. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry, Grandpa. He's the best killer there is. It never took more than one hit. Yeah. So I love it. This, this is like my, I keep saying it. I'm out of breath. I just brought the dog upstairs. Um, <laughs> so uh, the hands Grandpa the hammer. He can't even hold it for most of it. He yeah. just keeps dropping can't the hammer. Right. Her, yep. She's like, mm-hmm. her head is over this like metal bucket to catch the blood. And then like helping him, he like just kind of drops the hammer on her head a couple times, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing is maybe a real hammer, not a fake hammer. I don't know. It is. Yeah, it oh, is a real hammer. Um, yeah, it's like a fucked up thing to shoot. And yeah, they keep they're like holding the hammer in his hand. And it's very much like it's it's there's something it's just all so unsettling. It's and it's funny how it kind of continues this 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 metaphor of like grandpa as a baby. Yeah. Where they're like helping him to do stuff like holding his hand and guiding him, you know. Um, so he hits her a couple times, but there's no it, it would have taken hours for her to die in that way. <laughs> and like a hitchhiker's like, eh, just let me do it. Just let me do it. Finally, Sally breaks free, jumps through another window <laughs> into the front yard. The sun's starting to come up. Uh, the hitchhiker and Leatherface chase her. Leatherface has a saw fired up. Um, the hitchhiker like kind of catches up to her, slices her in the back with a straight razor a few times. They run into the road. This Mack truck comes barreling down the, the road. Uh, completely creams like runs right over the hitchhiker i'm considering him dead in this one he comes back in part two it's unclear if it's the same character or not it's played by a different actor fucking takes him out uh the trucker pulls over gets out grabs sally brings her into the truck but leatherface is right there and so kind of like leatherface like kind of traces him through the truck they get out the other side of the truck um yeah the trucker picks up a hammer or no, sorry, a wrench and nails Leatherface with it, who falls over, saws into his own leg. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great effect. They did this. This is 
the, I mean, I, 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 I listened to Gunnar Hansen talk about this as real. It's just like there's a metal plate protecting his leg. There's a stake in a bag of blood. And they just like he's just sawing into his own pants. Oh, my God. And like getting the getting the stake in the blood. And he said, you know, the metal protected his leg from the blade, but it got super hot. Oh, and I burned bet, his yeah. leg. Oh, wow. As soon as the chainsaw hit it. Yeah. Jesus. Another truck drives up like a pickup truck. Sally jumps in the back. There's this, like tense moment where it won't start. Leatherface is coming at her. Finally, it does. Mm. They drive off. She, she's just she's she's screaming and laughing and just yep. like. Yeah, she's completely lost her mind, completely lost her mind, covered in blood, screaming and laughing. And then Leatherface does his chainsaw dance. Which you know, if you don't know, it's just like he's swinging this chainsaw around, the sound of the chainsaw, and then it just fucking cuts to black, like in the middle yeah. of it. It's so awesome. I fucking love that ending. <laughs> oh, okay, that's the end of the movie. All right, for body counts, we got uh, we got Kirk, Pam, Jerry, Franklin, uh, Hitchhiker. He's questionable. He's got a similar he got character. Fucking demolished yeah, he got by demolished a truck. By that I mean, truck. I think he's called yeah. Chop Top in part two. It's played by Bill Mosley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I can think there, there's an argument that can be made that's not the same person. Similar. Character. I would call it a kill. It functions as a kill in this film. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this movie now is going to be 40 years old. We, lo- we hear at Killstreak like to point out things that don't age very well. What do you think, Mike, is the thing or the moment that aged the worst? <sighs> Man, I mean, so much of what happens here is deliberately offensive. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> I think I mean, it's hard to encapsulate it in one way, but I think it's it's what we talked about, which is just like. I mean, honestly, like, I'm not even sure I'm not even sure that the way that the movie f- handles Franklin yeah. and his being in a wheelchair has aged poorly, because if anything, it really just sort of exposes the way he's being treated. Yeah. The movie is not really making fun of him. It's letting the no. characters do that. I agree. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's just, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot that has aged poorly so much as there's just a lot of things to be bothered by. I'm with you, man. There's, I think there is a big distinction between what this segment is about, which is like things like, Oh yeah, no, that's, he made a, a really bad black joke or something in this right, movie. Yeah. It doesn't really work well. But in this movie, it's like, yeah, there are things that are disturbing, but that's what a horror movie should be. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. I'm with you, man. Yeah. I, I don't think there's really anything in here that doesn't age well. Yeah. Um. So best death, then. That brings us to best death. Um, mm-hmm. You went first this time. I don't want to steal the one because I have a feeling of what you're going to say. So I, I'll also yeah. say, um, to kind of mix it up a little bit, I think Franklin's death is very shocking and surprising. It really comes out of nowhere. Okay. You've kind of, in this movie, you've been lulled into this pattern of how these people will die. And Franklin's yeah. really breaks from that. It's like, oh, Leatherface is outside of the house. He pops out of nowhere. It really is a, mm-hmm. a shock. Um, right. Yeah. So I think I'm going to pick that one for my best death. But I think what my real best <laughs> death is, is what you're about to say. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, it's very kind of you. Um, <laughs> yeah. My, I mean, truly, to me, I feel like Kirk's death in this movie, well, one, it's the first one we see. 
It is the introduction to Leatherface, who's a famous epic horror movie villain. Um, but it is like it is both the it's like the er jump scare and it's also the anti jump scare mm-hmm. at the same time, where it's like every movie that ever tried to do anything like this afterwards did it worse. Where it's like, yes, yeah, somebody jumps out and terrifies you and kills someone. Uh, and we'll see this a million times with like Jason Voorhees, but there's there's no big uh, orchestral buildup to it. It isn't a huge switch to a different shot. It's not emerging from the darkness. It's just like the matter of fact way in which he just appears yeah. and kills this guy with a fucking hammer. It's like it. It is scarier than any of those other moments, and it somehow manages to be like both the perfect jump scare and and not one at all. Yeah, that's great. It's it's yeah, we went on at length about it. I love it. I agree with you. All right, hey guys, here on Kill Streak, we like to rate how scary these movies are. Previous to this episode, we had been doing that mm-hmm. on the Carpenter scale. Which, uh, you know, against the filmography of John Carpenter. That is no more. We are now unveiling our brand new scale that we are going to use for some time. I don't know how long. We haven't really decided. Sure. No. Mike, would you like to tell our lovely listeners what our new scale is? Absolutely. Uh, From now, for the foreseeable future, we will be grading uh, how scary these movies are on. The Craven scale. Yeah. That is the late, the great Wes Craven, uh, director of A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, The Hills Have Eyes, The Last House on the Left, uh, and many, many more very terrifying movies. But not all terrifying, are no. they, Eric? No, because we also have Swamp Thing, um, which is not a horror movie. And we have Music of the Heart starring Gloria Estevan about a and uh, <laughs> uh, Gloria Estevan and Meryl Streep and Cloris Leachman mm-hmm. who just died. Uh, R.I.P. Cloris yeah. Leachman uh, about an yeah. inner city music teacher or something. I've never seen it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will never. <laughs> yeah. And and we can't forget also, uh, you know, if if need be, we can always swing over to. Oh, yeah. Uh, Wes Craven's contribution to to the film Paris Je T'aime, uh-huh. uh, in which he directed one of the segments there as well. Uh, so we don't want to spoil all of the good ones now, but uh, oh yeah, okay. but yeah, I'll so leave the, the big guy, the big boy that we'll be saving for something, <laughs> maybe even with this film series. I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay. So where does Texas Chainsaw Massacre rate on the Craven scale? Um, so uh, I think the knee jerk would be to be like, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm mm-hmm. going to talk through my process a little bit, which, yes, okay. Nightmare on Elm Street, also one of the best horror movies ever made. But I do mm-hmm. think that there is a uh, a more one-to-one comparison that can be made, which is a movie that is based on horrific real-life kind of violence, although mm-hmm. maybe even more horrific than this one, to be honest, which is Last yeah. House on the Left. That's That's... Might be my sure. pick. There is a, and then also to say a one to one comparison, Hills Have Eyes 
is really kind of mm-hmm. delving into the same sort of territory. Strongly influenced by this movie. Yeah. I think Wes Craven is is on record as admitting that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that should tell you something about how important this movie is, that Wes Craven, early in his career, was looking to this film for inspiration. Um, well, my question to you, Eric, because I, shamefully, have never seen Last House on the Left. Really? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, We're it's going to be sorting hard, that out. It is a hard recommendation. Yeah. It's it is that's why I haven't that seen is it. Chuck full of rape. It's it is yeah not an easy movie to watch. How scary is it? Um, it is uh very scary in the way that like okay. the violence is realistic and believable mm-hmm. and horrifying. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, it sounds yeah. like a perfect candidate for this one. Then. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm going to push for Last House on the Left for this one. Uh, also, you okay. should watch Last House on the Left just, just, just for you know, maybe that's a solo. Viewing. Not for shits and not giggles. for shits and giggles. <laughs> yeah, it's a very it's no. it's a movie that I've seen a couple times and I never really want to watch again. But there is something mm-hmm. admirable about it. Anyway, anyway, I'm sure we'll no. Okay. We probably won't ever get to Last House on the Left. I don't know why I said that. Maybe we'll do West. Yeah. Craven Tober. Can't you can't say Tober. Wes Craven Uli. Wes Crave Ember? Wes Crave Arch. <laughs> okay. We're just gonna blow right past Wes Crave Ember. West Crave like, Ember. Yeah, that is the better one. You're right. All right. Well, we'll figure it out down the road. All right, and then finally, Mary Fuck Kill. This is a straight. I mean, eh, I can't be more effusive about my love for this movie. It's it's a Mary. It's one of my favorite movies sure. of all time, let alone horror yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I could never be that succinct in in summarizing a movie. That's <laughs> that's why there's that's why there's two of us on this podcast. If we were exactly the same, it would be boring. Um, yeah, this is uh, it is an important movie. It is a uh entertaining movie it's not fun it, it's not like a blast to watch but it is it will keep you riveted i think um there are a bunch of things about this movie that are great that we never even got around to talking about uh the score as much as it is a score the sound we will just call it the sound i guess yeah. is is fantastic and it's done by toby hooper uh and it is creepy and it's just a lot of screeching and, and really uh, dissonant sounds and and diegetic music. And it works really well. It's shot incredibly. We talked about that one very cool tracking shot. But also, I mean, I love everything about this movie. This is, you know, this is a perfect example of a movie where you're like, well, you know what? Better quality film isn't always better for what you're doing. This is this is a high grain low speed 16 millimeter film and it it has a very special look to it and if you just shot this on a standard nice 35 millimeter i think it wouldn't be as scary it wouldn't be as effective you know no um uh it reminds me of when we talked about the blair witch project and how that movie really benefits from its sort of lo-fi approach right this is Mm -hmm. this is something similar uh, I think. And yeah, I mean, this is like a once in a generation film. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't like horror movies, you're not going to like it. Uh, but if you do, and if you consider 
yourself to be a fan of the horror genre, then there's no excuse not to see this movie. And I think this is a masterpiece. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is. Uh, it is truly one of the greatest horror mil- films ever made. And uh, I'm so I'm going to fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kill. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's a fuck. For sure. Um, <laughs> I just can't resist. I can't. No, it is, it's a marry. It's a marrying, guys. Because as we determine, when you marry the film, you still also get to have regular sex with it as a, like in your spousal relationship. So, yeah, that's how marriage yeah, works. That's my. That's anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Going to take a quick one and then uh, we're going to come back for our final segment. All right. We're back. We had one final thought that we wanted to talk about but we didn't yeah. talk about in the last segment um which is a we did we failed to mention how important uh the vietnam war was on this movie which is really like neglectful neglectful on our part we this movie yeah. wouldn't have happened if if not for the vietnam war in a lot of ways yeah like the central it almost feels like the central motivation behind a lot of this is like the disillusionment that had that had sort of pervaded uh the country yeah. uh, around Vietnam and and obviously violence and and I think you can also connect that then to this idea of what we call now we know very well uh and recognize the effects of of post traumatic stress disorder PTSD yes. right at the time we would have called it shell shock um and what I was commenting on also that Eric and I were agreeing on was this movie was maybe the first horror movie that I watched where the final girl survives to the end. And, you know, as a younger person, it's easy to go, Oh, she survived. That's great. Um, and this is, this is a movie that forces you to go, well, she's alive, but is she okay? No, it it does not seem like it. She's going to be fucked up for the rest of her life because of this. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that so many movies even that came after this one, that's almost like it failed to inspire movies in that way. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's part of why it's better than so many of the things that came after it. Yeah, that's it's a great point. And I thought it was an important one to that we mentioned. But we now have a final segment that we are going to get to. Um, we here on the podcast sometimes like to do staff picks, which would be if you like this movie, you're going to like this movie. Maybe. Hold on. This is our suggestion for a yeah, movie that yeah. if you like, you might like this. And the category for this uh, movie, because I realized watching this for the first, not the first time I realized this was this last viewing. This movie takes place all over the course of one night. Right. One day into a night. One day into commonly... a night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that got me thinking about, hey, what other horror movies also take place over the course of either a single night or a day into a night, but all over the course of one day. So this is Staff Picks, Dead by Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Should I go first? Do you want to go first? Uh, Yeah, why don't you go first? Okay. Uh, I feel like we might have some overlap. Um, Probably. I got a big list, though. Okay, great. So I'm going to start with... uh, a granddaddy, a true granddaddy of them all that also kind of sets up a theme that, that goes through all of my, my staff picks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is the first one that I could think of. 
uh, in terms of chronologically, and that is uh, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, it is, and I, you know, it, I think this this element of like a siege, more or less, mm-hmm. is the is the one thing that I kept coming back to, and I almost felt like I was trapped, maybe in a little bit of a narrow lane. And hopefully, you're gonna throw some ideas out there that I didn't think of because every single one of my movies, for the most part, follows this pattern of just like people essentially just trying to survive. Right? Isn't that kind of how it always works? It's just like, yeah. can we make it? to sunlight right and i think night of the living dead is uh a great example of that and it you know really sets the tone for a lot of these movies where we start uh late in the day and you know uh things just start to go wrong as the daylight is disappearing and then we have one hellish night uh and a fight to survive until the sun comes up again yeah so yeah yeah night was definitely on my list i'm glad that you mentioned it um, I'm gonna pick for my one of my picks is the uh, 1980s version of The Blob, which uh-huh. I've rewatched fairly recently, and was like, "Wow, fuck! This movie slaps. It's a good movie." <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it all of the action, unless I'm completely incorrect in remembering this, takes place over the course of one night, where they have to, you know, they run around town trying to outrun and and you know get away from this killer blob, <laughs> right? But Right. Yeah. That's uh it's not as claustrophobic as like a Night of the Living Dead, which there are a couple sure. others on this on my list. I'm not gonna do everything on my mm-hmm. list. I just kinda wrote down everything I could think of. Um yeah. but that is one of the more fun ones that I could that I could think of. All right. I like that. And that is a great example of one that's not just a straight up siege like hold up somewhere. Yeah. Um and so that's something I appreciate too. Um, my next pick, uh, is, is one that I'm pretty sure I still like a lot, but I'll (laughs) admit that I haven't seen it in quite some time and it kind of came out in an era and at an age in my life when I was perhaps a little bit more forgiving of films, uh, to sort of put it that way. Um, but keeping really with the siege and the survival theme, uh, and that is, uh Robert Rodriguez from Dusk Till Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um which is another one that uh you know basically follows a very similar model of just like ending up in a singular location barring all the windows and locking the doors and just trying to see if you can make it to daylight only this time instead of zombies we're dealing with vampires and yeah. vampire strippers. Um but my my recollection of this movie is basically like it's great except for Tarantino as an actor. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's my recollection too. That was on my it was also on my list. Uh and I had a lot of the same misgivings that you just did mm-hmm. because like, oh, I haven't seen this movie in 15 <laughs> years. I don't I don't actually right. don't remember if it's great or not, but I do remember right. loving it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean I do I like Bender too. Absolutely. When I'm Robert Rodriguez is great for that. And it's like, and you know what I'll say is like, I have some faith that I would still like it a lot because Robert Rodriguez is, is, is he's a really creative, entertaining filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just like, there are some of the character notes for Tarantino. I really don't care for. Uh, and also he's a shitty actor. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he should not be a- acting in anything. 
Uh, luckily, he mostly stopped, so that's good. Um, yeah. How many picks do you have, out of curiosity? I have four in total. I wouldn't be surprised if you snag one of my other two. Okay. We'll see. Um, I'm probably not going to, because my next pick okay. is the movie The Strangers, which I don't Ooh. know. Um, it, it's a home invasion movie starring uh-huh. Luke Tyler. I have not and... seen it. I'm familiar with it. It's very, I really like it. It's very stylish. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that I really enjoyed about it was it felt like it was a horror movie that was really kind of ba- like um, centered around characters who were very similar to myself and my wife. Okay. Um, okay. It's just kind of like an a older, not older, I was younger when I first saw it, but like just like <laughs> a married hipster couple, I guess is for lack sure, of a better sure. term. Um, and, yeah, yeah. and then there's a really terrifying set of people who are trying to kill them for kind of no okay. reason. Um, I, my memory of that movie is I really, really like it. I've seen it a few times. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it in a while. Maybe it doesn't hold up as well as I remember, but I think it's a really effective home invasion movie and very simple. It's a really straightforward, okay. simple movie which i appreciate and takes place all over the course of one terrifying night (laughs) great um well if you don't think you're gonna steal another one of mine then i will i will come out with my other what i felt was like a big obvious choice uh it is not the granddaddy of all uh surviving the night films but it is the granddaddy of the killstreak podcast Mm -hmm. and that is the very first film we ever covered return of the living dead yeah. Um, not coincidentally, a movie that loves and pays great homage to Night of the Living Dead. And it also starts towards the end of a work day and takes us all the way through one night. I don't think we quite make it to morning. I think the whole town gets nuked before the sun. Yeah, comes I think up, so. Right? <laughs> but uh, but it definitely all takes place uh, in the course of one day. Um and yeah, if you're, it would be very weird to me if you're listening to this episode of the podcast and you've never seen Return of the Living Dead. But uh, yeah, if, if not, you haven't, go back to episode one of our of our podcast, watch the yeah. movie, listen to that podcast. It's it's another one of our favorites. Great pick. Uh, I have another off the beaten path one, which okay. is a movie that I I like a lot. I don't think it's very good, but I like it a lot. <laughs> and it's Slumber okay. Party Massacre. Oh, that movie is good. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, it's very and, fun. And it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely yeah. going to have to cover that Slumber Party Massacre, which is a really confusing timeline of movies, too, because there's Slumber Party Massacre, <laughs> there's like Sorority House Massacre, and at some point mm-hmm. they intersect, and I'm not sure where. Oh, shit. Um, wow. So Slumber Party Massacre uh, is a, like, it was intentioned to be a feminist take on horror, on a slasher movie, written by a woman, right. written, written and directed by women. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's very horribly exploitative, but it is a ton <laughs> of fun. It's it's a yeah. bunch of teens having a slumber party, and they're besieged by the Driller Killer, um, which mm-hmm. is this man with a giant drill, a lot of phallic. Yeah, talking injury. about power tools, yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a blast, man. It's one that I throw on a lot of how ha- not every Halloween, but every other Halloween. Sure, or so. yeah. Um. All right. Well, my last pick is another movie that I have seen uh, similar to Slumber Party Massacre. I've seen many, many times. Uh, and I it's not 
it, it like many movies that come from uh we'll call it the bloodline of giallo uh i wouldn't say it's explicitly a giallo film but uh Maybe a surplus of style, lacking a little bit in terms of substance. But uh, I just, I mean, I love watching it. Uh, it's maybe one of my all-time favorite movies to put on with the sound off if people are hanging out. And that is uh, Lamberto Bava's Demons. Oh, yeah. Uh, from 1985. Um, oh, and yeah, yeah my My third zombie pick. <laughs> uh, my fourth hold up siege movie but uh for anybody who's not familiar with this movie it's basically um zombies uh beset people in a movie theater um it gets a little more complicated than that uh if you're on the fence about watching this uh i will tell you that the climax involves a guy uh riding around the inside of a movie theater on a dirt bike with a sword yeah um it, this movie is great. It's really fun. It looks awesome. Uh, it has ridiculous dubbing. Um, it's just, I mean, it's gorgeous and it's really entertaining. And uh, I've always had a big soft spot in my heart for it. Um, and it all takes place in one night. Another, well, I also would recommend Demons 2. I think it's very fun. Not as good as the original, but very fun. And also, I think probably takes place over the course of one night. I think so, yeah. All right, guys. There you have it. Our list for staff picks, Dead by Dawn, The Blob, Night of the Living Dead, The Strangers, Return of the Living Dead, From Duskal Dawn, Slumber Party Massacre, and Demons. I got I got some on here. I'm just going to quickly, some other picks. <laughs> Evil, Evil Dead, nice. Cabin in the Woods, Escape from yeah. New York. Not really horror, but fine. Halloween sure. 2 takes place over the course of one night. Inferior sequel, uh, but still fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, anyway, fun segment. I like. I want to watch movies right now. It's eleven o'clock at yeah. night. I would watch Demons after this <laughs> if it weren't eleven. Holler at us if you have your own uh, favorite one night Dead by Dawn films. Eric dropped you the socials earlier. You can find them online. Just Google us. It's not that hard. Yeah. It's always Killstreak Pod. Uh, yeah, that's all you need to know. All right, so guys, next time we're going to be covering Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, the other Toby Hooper one. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that's... Is this one also on Shudder? What's that? Is this oh, one also on Shudder? I don't know. Let me look. Let me briefly look it up. Um, okay. If there's anything you can vamp with, I'm not sure what there is more to say. <laughs> You've been talking uh, for like... I'm seeing that... I'm seeing that it's on stars. If you have access to stars streaming, uh, that is probably the uh, one easy place to watch it. Um, Yeah. I mean, my vamping, I could do the social media again. I'm not going to do that. That would be painful, but Hey, we've been getting lots of good uh, feedback from the audience. Keep it up. You guys, Uh, we're loving the voicemails, the emails. It's great to interact. We like fun little challenges. And as I've said before, and I will say again, we also love ratings and reviews because one day we'd love to, to grow this podcast to have, I don't know, more sponsors than just the uh, web, uh, the podcast hosting platform that we're on. Uh, so who knows? If you want to hear new commercials uh, instead of just the same one, uh, you know, help us get some more sponsors. Let's let's pump those numbers up a little bit. Uh, and the best way to do that, Apple Podcasts, leave us an actual review. It goes a lot further. Uh, have you learned uh, yeah, anything else, is- Eric? Yeah, just stars. <laughs> just just stars. stars. Okay. 
Fantastic. All right, guys. Well, then go watch it on Stars. Uh, you can probably add it to Amazon for like five bucks for a, a month or some shit. I don't know. I recommend Fuck having Stars too. There's a lot of great shit on Stars. Sure. Yeah. And as always, I think we picked up a Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good.